Blood All right, I don't know what the Block Talk Radio is. Naturally. Okay. So, anyway, I was waiting for that Block Talk Radio lady to start. Um, and, all right, welcome to Under the Hoodies. Tonight, I'm actually joined by somebody at the beginning of the show. Uh, Tony? Tony, what is happening? Oh, not much. Just enjoying a delicious BLT sandwich that my lovely fiance gave me, hanging out with one of my dogs, and watching NFL Network, because... You know, it's that time of year where I'm totally engrossed in everything football, as all of America should be. All of America should be. And it's funny because the ratings for the NFL have been down uh, 10% because of the political season. At least that's one of the theories. So, uh, yep, I, I I gave up on caring about politics, to be honest with you, um, a while ago. Uh, because, really, they're all sort of bought and sold by a big corporate – big corporations. Jesus, I'm having a stroke today. Um, and uh, – Honestly, I care to the point where uh, I'll listen to people whine about it. But as far as, like, me following it, I'm done. Those days are done. I, I, I sort of know what they are, and I'm just I'm just done with it. So uh, that's why I focus the majority of my attention on football. So that's why we do the show. So anyway, um, all right, yeah, we're going to talk I about a couldn't couple. agree more. I, I've given right. up on I care to a point, but I've had to unfriend so many people on Facebook. And I think South Park put it perfectly where your two candidates are a giant douche and a turd sandwich. They can only argue about it for so long. Right. And the genius Neil Tyson DeGrasse actually had a really good idea, which is like when you go in to vote, you can either vote, you know, obviously the candidates, Hillary, Trump, or none of the above. And if none of the above wins, we start the whole process over with new people and they don't ever get to run again. I love that idea. I think that's a great idea. Um, we would never elect a president. I, I do Obama except for going forever, all over again. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we just find somebody that's super smart and and uh, force them to do it, like the aforementioned Neil Tyson DeGrasse. So, um, Neil DeGrasse. Wait, hold on, I'm saying his name right. Neil DeGrasse Tyson. I think I'm having a stroke again. Anyway, so before we get into football stuff, which we are going to talk about a couple teams, uh, we're going to talk Adrian Peterson. We're going to talk injuries. There's been a, a lot of them, and. Uh, but the first thing I wanted to talk about, this is something I've been wanting to get off my chest to uh, the listeners, um, which, you know, if I just tell, you know, the people I know, that's like, what, 50 people at the most? Well, we have more listeners than that, which is kind of awesome. So I have a problem with uh, a song out there that everybody loves. Everybody loves this damn song, and I don't know why, because it is written by somebody in their mid-20s or late-20s, maybe even early-30s. About a nine-year-old, and it's a little song called Sweet Caroline. Now, Tony, if you had a kid and a random dude wrote a song about her because he saw her picture, wouldn't you be weirded out? Wouldn't it be like, bro, how about you don't write a song about my effing kid? I'm trying not to swear, by the way. You can swear if you want. I'm not, you know, not promoting it, but, like, I'm trying not to swear just in general. But anyway... Why the hell would you see a picture of a little girl and be like, oh, I'm really inspired by that, you know, nine-year-old. I must write a song about her. I mean, I get I get it if you're writing about your own kid. Lounded um, Wainwright, that's really hard to say, has a beautiful song about his daughter called uh, That's My Daughter um, uh, in the Water, whatever. And it's a, it's a good song. It's cute. It's adorable. You know, people write about their kids all the time. Lionel Richie has a song about his kids. You know, whatever. But why the F would you write about someone else's kid? I don't care if it's a Kennedy or not. It's weird, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think from my perspective, too, the thing is I don't have kids. 
I'm kind of on the outside on this, where I don't have a personal attachment to it. And it's weird, too, now. Right. Like, all these songs when you're younger and kids, especially songs of the 60s and 70s, and you don't really... I like I read more into the melody of it more so than the lyrics. When you actually read the lyrics of some of these songs, the stuff they're talking about is just either absurd or terrifying. Oh my god, if you want to be creeped out by a song, find Paul Anka, she's having my baby. Holy hell. Oh man. I'd rather watch porn with my grandmother than listen to that song. It just makes my freaking skin crawl. It's so weird. That song, and then there's that um, uh, that Gary Puckett song, um, Young Girl, Get Out of My Life, My Love for You is Wait on Oh, my God. All right, I have to stand up for this one. All right, Tony, you know Christmas season's coming, right? We're actually going to get to sports in a second, but there's a few songs that just creep me out. The Sweet Caroline has creeped me out for years. The creepiest song ever, which is essentially rape, is that damn Christmas song, It's Cold Outside. It's a weird song, man. It's cold outside. Basically, the dude's convinced her to... And basically, he's like Bill Cosby wrote that song. It's cold outside. Don't leave. Here, drink this. This will keep you warm. And she's like pleading to get outside, but the guy's like trying to convince her to stay in. And it's that's the weirdest song on the planet, like to me. It, it literally is like Bill Cosby wrote that song. It, it, I, don't, I don't know what everyone's obsession with that is. And come Christmas time, there's going to be some more opinions about things people love, by the way. Like how Rudolph is a story about uh, only accepting people if they can do something for you. That's a theory I have. Um, Die Hard being a Christmas movie. But we'll save that for another time because we should probably get to sports. But those are weird songs, and I had to just get that off my chest. That wasn't a bit or anything. I've been whining about this for years, but uh, I I had to. Go ahead. On On the Christmas song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. I'm 99% sure Key and Peele did a sketch on that song talking about how rapey it was. And f- from what I remember, oh. it was hilarious. And I'm pretty sure that I, I'm, they might have even tied Bill Cosby into it. So it's just funny that you say that. I mean, oh, my that God. Are you serious? I, I remember it was a hilarious sketch because they pointed out just how absurd and how rapish that song comes off. Good. I'm glad that somebody got that out to the masses because I, I felt like I was on an island. I honestly did not know that. I've been whining about this song for years, and uh, now that I have an outlet where uh, people somehow listen, um, I uh, I figured I would just get that out there. But since they did it, even better. I honestly had no idea. My daughter's like, I had no idea that they did that. But it is the creepiest. Life. I remember watching Elf in like '04 and thinking that when they were singing that. I was like, boy, this song sounds like uh, she's in there against her will, and uh, it's weird. So, um, I don't know. So, we were talking about creepy uh, child songs and um, and uh, or songs about writing uh, about Jesus, songs written about someone else's kid. So, this isn't going to be the most seamless transition, but let's go into somebody that beats the hell out of their kids, Adrian Peterson. So, Adrian Peterson, torn meniscus. And uh, I guess torn uh, LCO. Um, yeah. So they're, they're reporting all that. Out for He's the denying it. Interesting. Um, so even with the meniscus tear, he's out uh, a good number of weeks. Um, do you think that affects the Vikings at all? Um, on the field, I don't think so because he hasn't been that great. And he's at that age where he's going to start just – falling off a cliff quickly. I think he's going to be turning 32 soon. I think they have the weapons yeah, on them. I think it's 
Yeah, it more comes down to their quarterback play in Bradford. I think everything hinges on that. And while Peterson has put up great numbers, what has it ever led to? What playoff success? What nothing, really. I mean, he puts up astronomical numbers, but in this day's NFL, it means nothing from a running back. You you need a stable quarterback to lead your team. Right, and then they have been just sort of, I wouldn't say decimated by injuries, but definitely been um, been hit by them. Obviously, Bridgewater, Bridgewater, you know, is now Sam Bradford, uh, which they give up first for, which I actually think is a great trade. I think um, if Bradford's healthy for the two years that they, they have him under contract for, I think that's a great trade. I think that they know more about the Bridgewater injury than than, than uh, they're more than they're willing to admit. Hence the two-year deal and the amount they gave up to get Bradford. I also think that losing Matt Khalil, although a bust, is uh, sort of a big deal. Um, he's a bust for where he's drafted. He can't help that. He is the player he is. He's serviceable as a left tackle. Um, Kyle Rudolph was limited in practice today, but on the good good side is they get Xavier Rhodes back, it looks like. He's been practicing this week, so that's great news for the Vikings. Um, and already a stellar defense is getting one of their, like, three best players back, so that's huge for them. Um, I, I do think that, uh, I, I, man, as a Giants fan, and I know you as a Cowboys fan, Minnesota's scary, even with all the injuries. That defense is fantastic. I love Mike Zimmer, and if anybody watched Hard Knocks, in 2012 with the Bengals, you'll see how much players love Mike Zimmer. I mean, Terrence Newman's really only ever had Mike Zimmer as a defensive coordinator and now head coach, crying, talking about how much he loved that man. Adam Pacman jones uh, essentially credited Zimmer with saving his career. Same with Vontez Burfick, who, if you remember, was a first-round talent, didn't get drafted, picked up by the Bengals, career resurrected by Mike Zimmer. Don't be surprised if uh, Vontez Burfick, when his contract with the Bengals is up, goes to Minnesota would not surprise me. So um, <clears throat> that's a scary team. Again, as a Giants fan, Giants played them on Monday night in two weeks and uh, a little nervous about that game. I really am a little nervous because I, I think that defense is legitimate. I think as of right now, they're the best defense in the league. I mean, they scored, what, two touchdowns against the Titans. Um, they made Aaron Rodgers look human. Uh, that's one of the worst games I can remember seeing Aaron Rodgers play. So, um as a fan of a team in the NFC, uh, where do you think Minnesota falls on the uh, on the uh, hierarchy of uh, the NFC? Well, uh, my biggest thing was can they get over Green Bay, which they just proved that they can. I mean, that's a huge hurdle to have a, a division win over Green Bay. I mean, that's huge for them. And I'm even without some of the key pieces, I'm still very afraid of Minnesota. I mean, the Giants, I'm pretty sure they play them in Minnesota on that Monday night you spoke of. Dallas plays them in December in Minnesota. And there's a lot to be said about a team, how injuries can just galvanize them and motivate them. And also being in a new building, a beautiful stadium like they have, and just the noise level of it can just invigorate that defense and just get them playing at another level. Yeah, I agree. Um, in my mind right now with Bradford, with Stephon Diggs, who's been an absolute just revelation this year. That guy is a mega talent. at some off-field stuff at Maryland, but I think he's a mega talent. I think he's now the best player in that offense. Um, man, it's hard for me to put them any lower than second or third. I, I really think – I mean, I think Seattle, you know, the, their offensive line's a mess. The defense is still great, though. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think Carolina is definitely the class of the NFC. And I think, I think in the Giants, uh, game on Monday night, which, uh, I do believe you are right. I think it is in, um, 
I'm almost positive it's in Minnesota on Monday night. I think we will uh, we'll essentially see who's second or third best in the NFC in that game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they're a really interesting team. So, uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see where they go. So, um, speaking of a team that has a primetime game, the New England Patriots. Now, Garoppolo is being forced – uh, the reports are as he's being uh, guilted into playing, we'll say. I, I, you know, Brady would play to this. Brady has played to this. That kind of thing. Um, where do you come down on that just out of curiosity? Because uh, I don't hate it. I really don't. I mean, the guy played great. I mean, he was three touchdowns, 230-something yards in the first half. I mean, it just seems the way that Belichick has his system and the depth on that team that they can just plug in people. I mean, they've done it with Garoppolo. They did it with Matt Castle. Basically, plug and play a quarterback until Brady gets back and they can just get it done. Honestly, I have New England favored over Houston this Thursday. That seems every time the chips are down, you just do not bet against Belichick and New England. They find a way to pull it out. And can you imagine if they go 3-0, and 4-0 without Brady, and then he comes back against Cleveland? Like, just hand over the AFC East already. Like, they've already clinched the division. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Oh, we got a little bit of – I don't know how breaking it is, but we have news. Browns rookie Corey Coleman broke, breaks his hand in practice today. Josh Gordon also has yeah. a warrant out for his arrest for um, skipping uh, uh, court for uh, paternity uh, issues. So, um, bad news out of Cleveland, so – a team that probably should have kept Belichick or somehow. Um, granted, under way out of his control, but uh, good Lord, that's a, that's a dysfunctional team. And Dan will probably be calling in at some point, um, and he'll he'll touch on the Browns more. So, anyway, yeah, back to your point against the Patriots, man. I, uh, that team, it just doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter. I don't want to say it doesn't matter because Matt Castle did have an 18-0 team. Uh, 19-1 and team the year before. Brady threw 50 touchdowns, and I think he came in and he threw 22. But he didn't turn the ball over a lot, and that's the only team in my lifetime. I can remember going 11-5 and and not making the playoffs. I think they lost a tiebreaker to Miami when Miami had Chad Pennington. Um, So, I mean, think about that for a second. The Patriots, the only time they haven't won the AFC East since Tom Brady's been a full-time starter is uh, Brady's first full season as a full-time starter. And then the year Brady gets hurt, they go 11-5 and don't make the playoffs and don't win the AFC East, when 11-5 wins that division every year except for one. So that's just sort of crazy dominance. Um, and, you know, to add on to your point, that's why you never count that team out. They are going against a great Texans defense who actually has everybody everybody healthy. Whitney Merciless has been playing well. J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt. Javadian Clowney, uh, Jadavian Clowney, I can never pronounce his damn name, is playing great, is healthy, actually, uh, you know, somewhat whatever, engaged. Um, you know, I don't think they have Cushing, but overall, I mean, uh, that defense is playing well. So, um, man, I, I think I think that's the game they lose. I really do. Uh, during the Brady suspension, I think they lose. They have a short week. They're not sure who the quarterback is. Julian Edelman's been practicing. Um He's been they, – they, he has about 10 plays. He's been trying to get down before Thursday. I don't know if that's a great sign. Um, you know, it's Texans offense looks like it's okay. Will Fuller has been great as a rookie through two games. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is – you know, you and I could throw touchdowns to DeAndre Hopkins. He's just a mega talent. Um, so, I don't know. I think, that, I think the Texans are what you would call balanced. 
and very good at a lot of positions. And um, I think with Brady, I like the Patriots. I think without Brady, not sure who's playing. Garoppolo with a sprained AC joint. This Jacoby uh, Brissett, who I actually saw play last year, two years ago, 2014, I saw play um, in Syracuse when NC State traveled to Syracuse. Didn't even realize it until the other day that uh, he was uh, he was the quarterback when I went to that game. Big guy, real big guy. Um, but, yeah, I think this is the game that the Patriots lose and Brady's gone. So, I think they go 3-1. and one. Brady comes back. I think that they win 12 to 15 games this year with Brady. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, – I think this is going to be a, a, a real tough game for the Patriots to win. I think it would be a tough game for the Patriots to win with Brady, with, with a broken Garoppolo or a third string or a wide receiver – playing quarterback I mean I, I just don't like that against that defense but that's that's my opinion we'll do some picks later on um here's another well. so another uh, point you have to ahead. think of the fact that it's a Thursday night game Houston is traveling to New England on a short week that does not favor Houston okay. at all it does not and, I, it, it, and you I think you'd normally be right but Bill O'Brien also there's very few of the um the the Belichick coaching tree that goes off and does well, especially in the NFL. Um, Bill O'Brien's, I think, probably the best version of that. So uh, I think he knows Belichick. I think he's going to play them really well, man. I think that um, if you still, oh, if you and I still work in the same building, uh, I would bet you, uh, I'd bet you some push-ups for this one. Didn't work out well for me when we did that last time, though. But I would definitely bet yeah. you push-ups on this one. The Houston wins. Uh, I don't know why I'm looking at NFL.com for the freaking line because, you know, Roger Goodell is an old crow budget when it comes to gambling. But I'm going to look up that line. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, give me a reason as to why you think New England's going to win um, because I sort of laid out why the Texans are going to win. So I'm curious to hear your, uh, your, your counterpoints. And maybe I can be swayed. Well, this may not be a great stat but it's just me personally, every time I have doubted New England or I bet against New England, they prove me wrong every single time. No matter how many chips it seems maybe against them, Belichick is just a master evil genius, and he just comes up with the right scheme. I wouldn't be surprised to see Edelman throwing trick passes, you know, in the backfield to his wide receivers. The defense is going to play out of their minds. He's going to rely heavily on the running game with LeGarrette Blunt. And uh, here's another great stat, too, about Belichick and his evil genius ways. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. under Belichick in their first career start are 5-0 and under Belichick with five touchdowns and only one interception. So he basically makes them game manage. Don't do anything crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't lose this the game. Rely on the defense. Rely on the running game. But we'll get you through it. And on, like I said, on a short week at home, I just I, – I can't bet against the Patriots. I, I don't think I put money on this game. But I just – I wouldn't bet against them to pull it out. I just – and then with Buffalo the next week, that's a win for sure. Next thing you know, the Pats are 4-0 with Brady coming back on the Brady yeah. FU redemption tour. It's going to be – yeah, going to be crazy. Brady's going to throw like 50 touchdowns in 12 games just to stick it to Goodell. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, the Bills game is in New England too, so that helps a lot. Um, the line for that is the Texans are favored by one and a half. Um, Brady's mm. worth about six points, so I think with Brady, I think that's four and a half points the other way. Um, so uh, yeah, but yeah, Texans are one and a half point favorites uh, going into New England. So um, 
Listen, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch, but I think if I were to bet money on it, oh, no. again, I agree with you, I wouldn't either. But if I were, I would definitely pick Houston. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. We'll go from there. Um, so just wanted to take a uh, just take a quick timeout, and I have something to promote. And this is sort of uh, this is me just sort of how oh, how do I say it? This is me sort of um, sort of I, I'm I'm a fan of podcasts as are you. And there's a movie podcast that I listen to that I absolutely love. And well, the guy that actually that I'm doing this for is uh, he does two. He's an engineer at Loveline. Um, I email with him back and forth. Real good guy. Answers all my emails because um, I have a lot of movie-related questions. And I could honestly do a movie podcast, and I think it would be uh, probably sound better than uh, this one. But um, not because you're here, but mainly because I'm here. Um, but so uh, I'm a fan of this his, uh, podcast, The Film Vault in uh, Cinematics. And um, I emailed him asked if I could just do this because we do have a uh, – more listeners than I thought. We actually had a caller last week from uh, from New York City, which was definitely caught me off guard. So, anyway, the what I'm what I wanted to uh, just sort of drop in here is this um, project he's working on called Groupers the Movie. So it's a crowdfunded uh, movie that the script's already been trademarked. It's written. It's uh, you know, and he's trying to raise about seventy five thousand dollars. Last I looked, he was at about thirteen thousand dollars to sort of make this movie. Um, he's made a bunch of shorts, won a ton of awards for the shorts, and uh, he's just kind of a movie junkie. So um, basically what you can do is you can go to groupersthemovie.com, and uh, if you want to contribute, go ahead and contribute anything from a dollar to, you know, whatever as much as you want. So, uh, again, that's groupersthemovie.com. His name is Anderson Cowan. He was the engineer on Loveline for, God, probably 20 years and um, and does uh, a, a handful of podcasts that I do I do really enjoy, and I think he's a super talented, super creative guy. And uh, just wanted to uh, shoehorn that in there because I call I, I called him, I emailed him and asked him if I could, and he said absolutely, and he appreciated it. Blah blah blah. So uh, just just sort of um, what is it called? Paying it forward to another podcast uh, uh, host that I really enjoy, and. Um, yeah, so I wanted to do that, groupersthemovie.com, and go ahead and contribute if you'd like to the crowdfunding, and um, very interested to see. It's a really kind of interesting concept, and Tony also did the trailer after it. It's uh, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> the concept of the movie is definitely something new, um, but uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to see how it turns out in like two years when, I, when it finally uh, you know gets made. So that's it. And also to remind everybody that you are listening to Under the Hoodies, uh, I am your host, Bill Kegel. We have a fill-in host, uh, Tony DiNicola from – should I give your last name? Are you afraid people are going to, like, steal your identity or come to Syracuse and rape you or, uh, you know, any of that? No. Um, okay. I'm well, Tony's like a big guy. Tim so Kennedy in the UFC. I don't think I'm, go I'm calling out everyone to come find yeah, me. That's what I'm, I'm not going to call ISIS, <laughs> but – yeah, no, um, that's probably not the best idea, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, under the hoodies, uh, you know, through backsportspage.com, um, I have a couple columns up there. Bills and a Giants preview, and the Bills preview will need to be amended. Oh my God, the Bills preview is uh, egregious. Um, you know what? And, let's, uh, let's you know what? Let's get into the Bills. Let's, let's yeah, talk that's what about I was about to bill. say too. Let's talk about the Bills. So. You and I were both at that game. You were up there with the uh, with the royal family up there, wherever the hell you were sitting, where all peasants had to sit it's, in the elements, a.k.a. the beautiful 65-degree night. Yeah. Free seats, 
from a from a buddy's coworker in Syracuse was unbelievable. I found out at one o'clock yeah. in the afternoon, the day of the game, he had these seats. He hits me up on Facebook. I go, hey man, you know where I could sell these? Can't get anyone to buy them. I'm looking up their three hundred dollars seats. I'm like, let's go, man. Let's go to the game. Oh, don't you have to work the next morning? Who cares? When are we ever going to sit in this in with royalty like this ever again? The Buffalo royalty. Um, your text really got me through the game because I was pretty tired. Um, and uh, oh, oh, you were tired. Yeah, five I was hours tired. Oh. Trip. You want to talk about tired? Listen, man, I'm not talking about the next day. I was great on Friday. I mean, at the game, and your texts were definitely keeping me interested in uh, in that game because honestly, I I think I got out of there at the end of the third, and I actually watched a lot of it on my phone and listened to it on the way back home. And um, I really think it's a game I'd rather watch on TV because the Bills fans were definitely getting a little um, aggressive in my section. And I don't even have bad seats. I'm uh, I'm on the I'm in the I'm in the 100s. I'm about 20 rows from the field. Like it's a, they're pretty good seats. Uh, I just don't understand why. <laughs> I don't understand why you fire your offensive coordinator who you are basically put, who you basically put in charge of a quarterback that you gave a new contract to. Granted, it's an extremely team friendly contract, but you are paying him nine million dollars this year. And if you really want to win games in the National Football League, teach the only way to win games in the NFL is to have decent, decent, de- yeah, decent defense, control the line of scrimmage, and have a good quarterback. The Bills actually have a quarterback that's, we'll say good. Um, good might be a stretch, but he's he's good. He he can make plays. Keeps plays alive with his legs. He's he's a great athlete. What I don't understand is why you would fire that guy. That's like firing. Say all right. How about this? We'll use this analogy, all right? Say, um, say I have a daughter. She's 15 months old. And I'm very, very integral in her development, right? So just say out of nowhere my wife fires me and just tells me I can't see the kid anymore. Why would you do that to the kid? Especially if I'm not doing anything wrong. If I'm actually contributing more than the guy that fired me is to that quarterback's development or to that little kid's development. Isn't that bizarre? Why would you fire the offensive coordinator? He wasn't the issue. Your brother's the issue, Rex Ryan. Your brother is 100% the issue. You are a Dallas fan, so you know what? How about this? I'll let you just go on about Rob Ryan as the Dallas defensive coordinator. What are your memories of the genius of Rob Ryan and his coordinating of defenses? Oh, God, God. <laughs> why do you got to do this to me? It's just terrible memories. It's, it's just the bravado of the Ryan. The Ryan's drive me nuts. They just all sizzle in no state. There's nothing behind them. And Rex said, if anyone's going to go, it'll be me first off. So he lied right off the bat. For a guy who has this repertoire of being a, or a reputation of being such a defensive mastermind, his defense has ever since, um, oh, God, uh, his name's escaping me, the former Lions head coach that just had a top-ranked defense in Buffalo. Jim the one Schwartz. they should have hired as the head coach. Yeah, Schwartz, yes, thank you. Jim Schwartz, yes. Ever, ever since he took over Schwartz, the defense has been mediocre and terrible. It's supposed to be their bread and butter, especially how much money they put in the D-line. It's, it's mind-boggling. Like you said, the offense was not the problem. They put up, I think, 33 on the Jets. But they they made Brian Fitzpatrick. I love Brian Fitzpatrick. He's a good quarterback. They made him look like an all-pro. He destroyed that secondary, just like Swiss cheese. The defense is 
is the issue, not not the offensive coordinator. Like, ah, oh, Buffalo man, like, what are you what are you doing? Like, you're just you're the redhead stepchild of the NFL for a reason. You just keep bungling everything up, and it's hilarious to watch as an outsider. It nothing brings me more joy than watching Buffalo fans with their crazy optimism at the beginning of the year, lose their minds two weeks in. Like, the sky is falling. Buffalo is burning to the ground. Well, thank God for the Browns, because if not for the Browns, the Bills would probably be the most dysfunctional team in the NFL. Rex Ryan claims he'd fall on the sword. Rex Ryan also predicted the Bills would make the playoffs, contend for a Super Bowl. He said these things. And the thing that I don't get is just blatant nepotism. Okay, here's how delusional the Ryan brothers are. Rob Ryan claims the reason he's not a head coach is because of his hair. Okay, that's true. Two things. Cut your goddamn hair. Second thing is, no. No, 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 no. The Saints were the worst defense under him. Terrible. Cowboys, probably one of the worst defenses in the league. I don't have those facts in front of me right now, but I'm pretty sure they would be. Oh, except for the fact you had one of the 10 best defensive players in his prime while you're the defensive coordinator of the team and DeMarcus Ware. So you had DeMarcus Ware. You had personnel. You had personnel, but they weren't that good. I mean, I, I don't understand. I do not understand the allure of the Ryan brothers. I don't. Rex is probably still a good defensive coordinator, a good defensive coordinator. Um, you know what? He was really good those first two years with the Jets. People figured him out. There, Mike Lombardi, uh, who was um, general manager of the Browns. Uh, he also was a uh, special advisor to Bill Belichick out of the Patriots. He actually left to go back into media, um, probably a little less stressful. He has a theory on quarterbacks, and I actually think you can use this on coaches too, which is the 20-game theory. If you're good after 20 games when the NFL has time to figure you out, then you're good at what you do. You're a good quarterback. And then maybe the same theory on coaches. Especially a guy that's a coordinator, he's not head coach. So his defense got figured out. He didn't, exa- he didn't make the playoffs. He went in those two runs at the very beginning of his head coaching career with the Jets. Teams figured him out. 2011, didn't make the playoffs. 2012, not, no playoffs. 13, 14, 15, and then this year, no chance in hell. If he's even still the head coach at the end of the year, I'll be very surprised. And I say this, and I'm supposed to actually write for the Buffalo Bills, and uh, sort of give a summary of their week type thing, um, which I will be doing shortly. Um, but I'm supposed to start doing that, right? And maybe I'm, maybe I'm blowing my spot up here. Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. But I, I, do, I do want media access to the Bills, all right? I, this is part of it. This is why we talk about them every week. Whatever. A little behind the curtain. And then if they get mad, they get mad. It's not like I'm getting paid to do this anyway. And I am perfectly fine with that. But here's the problem. You hired the wrong guy. Like, I, I just – I don't understand these, these, these retread hires. Like, he's not a good head coach. I didn't know what the Bagula saw in him. They, they could have interviewed guys like – or they interviewed, excuse me, guys like Adam Gates. They interviewed Jim Schwartz. They could have just promoted him. He had a great rapport with the players by all, by all accounts. Um, they interviewed Kyle Shanahan – or, excuse me, Kyle Shanahan, um, uh, uh, Mike Shanahan. I mean, that, that's just some of the names they interviewed. Mike Shanahan, okay, I get it. He didn't work in he didn't work in Washington. Okay, not a lot of people did. All right, but the Bills, they, their owners aren't Dan Snyder, right? They, the Pagulas are a little less hands off, are a little more hands off, et cetera. They sort of figured out what they're doing with the Sabers finally after five years. Why they don't take the same approach with the Bills? 
let the football people make the football decisions because this seemed to me like new owners want to make a splash, make a splashy hire. It's like, okay, if I'm writing a biopic on Abe Lincoln, I want it to be the most dramatic thing in the world. I don't hire Jim Carrey to play Abe Lincoln. That's what they did. And it just drives me nuts that I live in this town with this fan base that's so goddamn passionate about this team. And year after year after year after year, somebody just lets these people down. And it sucks. It sucks to watch. It sucks to live through. And, and it also sucks because I'm a fan of a team that actually has their shit together. The Giants have a freaking 750 FICO score. The Bills, they're at a buy here, pay here a lot, trying to buy a Pontiac Grand Prix. And they're, and I don't think they're going to get approved. Like, that's how it seems like they're operating. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me at all. So, I, any final I thoughts? I think what it comes down bring, to. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Buffalo is one of the smallest market teams in the league, you know, along with Green Bay. I think it's just, and being in that division with Belichick and Brady with the Patriots, it's just that inferiority complex. It's that little brother syndrome. They need to get the headlines, so they grab they grab Rex Ryan. The bravado comes in. He's a player's coach. The players love playing for him because he just lets the inmates run the asylum. He gives all these little sound bites, which gets Buffalo played on primetime sports center. But in the end, it's just not worth it. There's such a lack of discipline. I'm looking at the Bills' schedule right now, and their bye week is week 10. Rex Ryan, I can almost guarantee, is fired by week 10. L- listen to this slate. They have the Cardinals next this coming week. That's a loss. At the Patriots, that's a loss. Cross country uh, to L.A. against the Rams, that's probably a loss. Long trip, another coast. Home against San Fran, that might be a win. At Miami, they can go either way. Then New England at home, and then at Seattle before the bye week. So going into the bye, worst case scenario, they're one and eight, two and seven. Best case scenario, they're maybe four and five, and that's a huge maybe. I, Rex has got to go. I mean, and then after that, they have the Bengals, the Jaguars. Oakland, oh God! Uh, okay, they got Cleveland. There's a win. Miami at the Jets, and those division games can go either Dude, way. I'm not even- I'm not even guaranteeing that Buffalo's looking at a 5-11 Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and they really should tank and try to get that kid from Notre Dame or do something at quarterback and do something that isn't splashy. Instead of being splashy, let's be smart. What splashy teams ever worked? I don't don't get it. Remember the Dream Team Eagles? Yeah. Who won the division that year with the Dream Team Team Eagles? Wasn't the Eagles. Yeah. I don't remember. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Those Eagles killed it in the preseason. Absolutely killed it because the preseason <laughs> matters so much. I can't. Oh, I, I know, love I know. when my team wins the preseason. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, that's it for the Bills. And uh, oh, real quick, uh, before Dan, we move on, Dan, one quick oh, Bills story. I, I was oh, at sorry. the game Thursday. Uh, we get in line. And there's this little guy. This is your first mistake. If you're a visiting fan, you got to have some backup. Don't be a Jets fan all by yourself. Also, don't yeah. be a Jets fan who's about 5'3", 150 pounds soaking wet, and run your mouth. Because Bill's fans will eat you alive. So this guy was wearing a, um, I think his name is Leonard Williams, the second-year defensive player for the Jets. This guy yes, is Bill's player. fan behind him. Yeah, this guy had to be like 6'4", you know, 240 pounds. And he goes, hey, man, what jersey is that? And the Jets fan turned around, and he's like, oh, it's the jersey of the NFL's leading stack getter. 
It's week two, dude. Week two, and you're talking about the NFL leading stack leader for your Jets? Like, cool your Jets in someone else's stadium. This guy got just absolutely berated and had drinks thrown at him by dozens of rabid Bills fans, and I couldn't have been any happier. You know what's ironic about that is that's how exactly that guy is the Bills and everybody that was throwing drinks on him are the Patriots. I like the metaphor there, Tony. The the uh, accidental yeah. metaphor there was great. So, um, anyway, oh. speaking of dysfunction, Dan is on the phone. Dan, how's it going, buddy? I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yep. so I guess you're not from one, one dumpster fire to the other. Yeah. So, these dumpsters are right next to each other, and people are just trying to put these fires out with grease. And uh, it's not working. You know what the good thing is, though? You probably have the smarter head coach. And by probably, I mean you definitely have the smarter head coach. Um, well, you know, that's kind of but, up for uh, debate right now. I'm becoming a little worried well, with Hugh Jackson, the supposed nah. quarterback guru who passed on Carson Wentz and goes with RG3, who no one on the planet except for him thought would be any good. No one thought he'd stay healthy. No one thought he'd lear- lear- uh, suddenly learn how to read defenses. And, um, well, I mean, you saw what happened. He was out week one, and here we are, and McCown's hurt now, and now we're down to Cody Kessler. <laughs> how does it feel having a quarterback that you can throw further than? Oh, God. I I am just at the end of my leash with the Browns right now. Um to continuously see them screw up opportunity after opportunity every single year. Um, they lose out on every impact player, and you know they had a they had a great opportunity. Um, there was some skeptic, you know, everyone was skeptical about uh, Carson Wentz, but I mean, look, I mean, so far he's looked great. And you know what? I mean, he's taken some big hits behind that Eagles offensive line. I don't think their offensive line is that great. Um, so I think that excuse is out the window. Um, you know, he looks the part. He, you know, he's, he's very poised. Um, he looks like a veteran quarterback. He doesn't, you know, have that, that wide-eyed uh, rookie look. And we're here with Cody Kessler. Um, so Well, take, Dan, take a little bit of solace in this, though. Carson Wentz wouldn't be that good on your team right now. Um, I think that having a former quarterback as your head coach helps. Even though Hugh Jackson is. I do think that helps. With quarterbacks. I do well, think I... that that helps. I do think that they have a they have a good infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Philly has been a well-run organization for a long time. I mean, I think Howie Roseman is, does a good job running that franchise. I mean, you see the one year that he let it go to Chip, and it did not work out well for Chip. Chip should have just stayed the head coach. Um, Andy Reid was just such a stabilizing force for that organization for a while. And I think their owner is smart enough to stay out of the way. So I do think a lot of that is, is that Philadelphia is such a stable and sort of a franchise that has their crap together, whereas Cleveland doesn't. So you can't really bank on Wednesday. Yeah, similar but you success. know what, Although I think his, I think his ceiling does trans, does, um, does, uh, transcend, um, I do think his ceiling and his talent does sort of transcend the dysfunction with the uh, with the Browns, um, much like Ben Roethlisberger. Right. Well, and you know what I mean. Browns would have drafted him. To be honest, to be honest, like okay, you know, I I do agree with the point about Doug Peterson, um, but you know, 
you also then have Hugh Jackson, which I'm beginning to think he may be better in the development of quarterbacks as opposed to the evaluation of the quarterbacks. Um, you know, maybe his ego is a little bit too big in terms of thinking he right. can take anything and turn it into gold. Um I mean, he did make Andy Dalton look like a pretty decent quarterback um, right. last year. Um, you know, he's had some experience. And, you know, so I, I do think, you know, it's kind of a push there between Peterson and Hugh Jackson as to the coaches. You are absolutely right about the ownership. Um, but I do think, honestly, I mean, I, I, I don't think that, you know, he's, you know, getting placed into onto the Arizona Cardinals or anything like that. Right. So, but yeah, it, it's, it's honestly, and I've, I've told you this, and I think I've said this on, on the show before that the biggest mistake the Browns have ever made was not drafting Ben Roethlisberger. And this is, okay, this is only game two, but, um, so it's probably a little premature. But, you know, I mean, this is moving in the direction of being the, probably the second biggest mistake they've ever made. Nothing is ever premature um, with the Browns. Come on now. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I I got on quick enough to hear you mention about the Bills, you know, they should tank and everything. I mean, I guess that is one thing. Um, you know, I – the Browns are going to be terrible enough. I'm sure they're going to have the number one pick next year. Um, I'd be shocked if they won more than three games at this point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, right. they will be in position to um, hopefully take Kaiser, who's looking pretty good. He does, yeah. So, okay. So, here are the quarterbacks that you could have had, by the way, since 2010. So, I'm just going to sort of go through this a little bit. Here? Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. So you could have Andy Dalton, could have had Russell Wilson, um, uh-huh. Ryan Tannehill, which, yeah, maybe that's a good thing that you didn't get Ryan Tannehill. Um, let's see here. Who else? David, Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater. Although I did hear that Teddy Bridgewater didn't want to go there. Um, there no, is – you guys could have had Wentz, obviously. Could have had McNabb. I'm throwing more people out there that I just know off the top of my head. You, uh, you guys could have had um, – uh, obviously, Big Ben. Where did the Browns pick in the 2004 draft, by the way? What pick did they have? Draft, I want to say we were yeah. number six. Okay. Six. So you couldn't have had Rivers or Eli, so that's fine. Yeah, so Dalton, obviously, Brady, McNabb, Wilson. Uh, well, you know, this one says Nick Foles and no. Drew Brees you could have had. You could have had Roethlisberger. You could have uh-huh. had Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's not, you know – it just here's a my lot question, of teams, though, yeah. guys. This yeah. isn't just Brown specific. You're mentioning all these quarterbacks, and I, I hate to just crap on the Browns as much as we all do. I mean, granted, they've uh, earned it over the hey, years. Listen, I'm I'm a huge Browns fan, and I'm just objectively looking at them for what they are. They are probably yeah. the worst organization in sports. But you mentioned all these elite the quarterbacks. My thinking a, is, go ahead. Say the Browns try to draft one of these quarterbacks, who's to say they don't pull an Eli Manning and refuse to go there and demand a trade? Like, if I'm Beth and Roethlisberger coming out of college, I'm not going to Cleveland. There's no way in hell. 
Well, well was Cleveland wasn't as dysfunctional back then. And Ben Roethlisberger didn't have the pole Eli Manning. That's Eli true. Eli Manning, but... I mean, he, he's basically from a football royalty family. You know, he had that pole. His brother was playing, you know, I mean, he was, I wouldn't say in his prime at that point, but obviously, you know, big-time quarterback at the time. At that time, Ben Roethlisberger was from that small school. He was basically Carson Wentz at that time. I feel with Cleveland, it's just so deep organizationally where it's just they need to fix it from – it's not even the players anymore. It's just the whole aura of the organization. They need to change it from the top down. Yeah, the culture. Everything just needs – they just need a clean house completely. Start fresh, new ideas, new people. They just did that. (laughs) They just did that. And then in Hugh Jackson's first move, First move, he screws it up. So my faith in Hugh Jackson is not very high right now, to be honest. So, Dan, here, let me give you a light at the end of the tunnel, okay? Ed Bidwell owned the Arizona Cardinals, and now most of our lives, the Cardinals have sucked, all right? The Cardinals were a bottom feeder team. They're like the Bills. They're like the Browns. They weren't good for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. He passed the team on to his kid, Ed Bidwell Jr., I believe, and – since he's taken over the team, now look at him. I mean, they've, they've gone to a Super Bowl. They've gone to NFC Championship teams, or games. Excuse me. They've been competitive. Um, they've gone to the mm-hmm. playoffs with uh, the likes of Drew Stanton and um, Ryan Lindy, Lindley. And then who the hell was it? John Skelton. Um, you know, they tried Kevin Cobb. Uh, so mm-hmm. and they, were, they still had relative success, especially with some of those guys. So, and then they, they make a trade for Carson Palmer. They uh, get rid of Wisenhunt. Um and then they bring in Bruce Arians after Bruce Arians has a, a sort of a weird year with the Colts, um, an Andrew Luck's rookie year with Chuck Pagano had leukemia. And um, so all, way, that's Chuck all working out well for them now. Of, uh, Chuck Pagano is living off of Bruce Arians' work, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree uh, with that. I, I, yeah. So, okay, so my point is is that with with ownership, a lot of times it does come from the top. Now, I, I tell you that story to give you a little bit of hope, as in maybe the Browns turn this around at some point mm-hmm. when your owner dies or decides <laughs> he sucks at owning we're, and very uh, gives the you. team to somebody way smarter. So, I don't know. Right. Now, well, obviously, I don't want you your owner to die, but I think your owner is actually a terrible person um, because he did uh, you know rip a bunch of his employees off. You know what? What billionaire hasn't? I mean, that's kind of... I'm sure if you dig deep enough, you can find any billionaire. Anybody who becomes a billionaire at a relatively young age has blood on their hands somewhere. So, Right, uh, right, to, right. To yeah, but none of them were prosecuted that, for it. Hold on. Dan, go hold even on. deeper than that. Here real quick. Dan, hold sure. on. The Giants owner, John Mara, has produced not one but two very good actresses, Kate Mara and Rooney Mara. So uh, that makes up for that. This is so true. You let me know when your owner, who I'm drawing a blank on, I forget his damn name, uh, has him. Haslam. He has a hot daughter yeah. that's a good actor or good actress. You let me know. And then I will accept that these billionaires sometimes uh, have blood in their hands. Speaking of giant, but I continue. Hope he's choking a giant like phallic object. 
I love I love when Tony tries to be uh, PG. <laughs> Tony, I got it. I understand. Yes, um, I'm trying. Yes, my, yeah. Here's another uh, question. But, but really, to go one deeper on that, I mean, it, if you really look back and you look at Anthony, I know you're a Cowboys fan. Jerry Jones, you know, he had a couple of rough years starting off. Um, if you you want to go way back, um, the Rooneys, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, they were basically the Browns of the league until the 70s. And then they found Chuck Noll, and they turned it all around. But, I, you know, but the a Steelers lot of have something that the years. Browns don't, which is stability, Dan. They have stability. They've had three head coaches since 1969. The Browns have had three head right. coaches from 2012 to 2015. Like, that's not stable. Right. And that's the Bills' problem, too. And it's a, it's a lot of these these bottom feeder team problems. Like it just it just is. They got to stop yeah. with the turnovers. You find a smart guy. Stop looking for Belichick. Find mm-hmm. your and don't whoever, don't go you know, for the flashy Coughlin. Like I, I almost yeah. look at the uh, the whole Rex Ryan thing was like, all right, great, we've got this big mouth out of uh, you know from the Jets, and you know, I mean, yeah. we've we've talked about it here where he's I think he's more. You know, he's talking more shit than anybody, but, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think he's that good of a coach. Um, right. You know, and I, I, we, I remember um, the minute the Bills hired him, I felt like it was a mistake. You know, the Browns did a similar thing when they hired Mike Holmgren, where he was the, uh, the head coach, and he hired Pat Shermer because it was in his uh, – it was in his um... right, but Pat. Okay, hold on about. But let, let me hold on. Let me let me go against that real quick. Mike Holmgren had a track record for building teams, though. They didn't stick with Mike Holmgren's program coach. for long enough for that to matter. Okay, great. Yeah. Also, as a GM, I mean, I, didn't he put together that that pretty good Seattle team that went to a Super Bowl um, that had a lot of success? Uh, I Wait, Green Bay. He had a lot to do with that. He he gave back the GM duties. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. By that time, right, but a lot of players, Holgan was hold on, out. he had a relinquished the guys, Yeah, he did, and then they, they did better, but a lot of those players are guys he brought in. You think anybody else knew about Matt Hasselbeck before, before uh, or outside of Green Bay? No. Oh, yeah. Well, Matt yeah, Hasselbeck got him great. to playoff bursts in a Super Bowl, and a Super Bowl they probably would have won if, if not for a couple egregious calls. That's the worst called Super Bowl in history. And I think I think Seattle had a real shot to win that against a rookie quarterback. Like I really do. But we're, ta- we're talking we're talking excuse me, a second year quarterback. But, but I, I'm, what I'm talking yeah. what I'm saying is is that Mike Holmgren assembled a team that was super successful and granted when he relinquished the GM duties is when they took off, but a lot of those players were guys he brought in. The problem is is the Browns don't stay with the program long enough. I think what Holmgren was doing probably would have worked. Shermer's a good coach. Like I think he's proven Actually, he's at least a competent coordinator. So, but you keep yeah, firing and, people. You keep giving people crap. You keep giving people crap and then firing them when they suck. It's like, okay, Tony and I deliver water for a living, right? So if we're delivering people bleach for them to drink, and then they fired us because we're getting bad stuff to deliver to the customers, that's what the Browns do. Like, it's just what the Bills do. It's terrible. I can see that happening. But, and, and, you know, I mean, <laughs> if you're one to take after the other, but to go back, he was a good coach. Um, I don't know how widely publicized it was, but apparently he was notoriously lazy. 
Um, I get, there was a, there's a famous story where um, Jimmy Haslam woke up in, uh, in Nashville one morning, got on a plane, came up to Cleveland, and he still beat Mike Holmgren to work. Um, he was notoriously <laughs> lazy and didn't want to put in the work. So, okay, that's fine. So and, anyway, um, on the same token, on the same token, um, yeah, you do have to give somebody time. And although Hugh Jackson, you know, looks like messed this up pretty bad, you know, already, you know, he deserves three or four years. He deserves three or four years. He, I, I think, I think hiring a head coach, investing time, try. Uh, you're you're essentially hiring coach for their vision, all right. But if they don't have time to execute their vision, then how the hell do you know? How long was how right. long was Chizinski there? How long was Shermer there? How long was Patton yeah. there? How long was uh, the freaking text messaging GM there? How long was Mike Lombardi there? It's like all this turnover. You can't be successful with all this turnover. So. Anyway, you're not getting any debate Dan, there. Go ahead and put a bow on Cleveland because we're transitioning into Dallas, and then we're going to get out of here because uh, I'm old. The bow um, would just be that, yeah. At this point, things are looking pretty bad, and hopefully uh, they do stick with him, and hopefully he turns it around and actually finds a quarterback and turns this thing around. All right. You guys are listening to Under the Hoodies. I'm Bill Kegel. I'm joined by Dan Panici and Tony DiNicola. Do not steal their identities or go to their house and rape them because I keep giving last names and I don't mean to. But um, I live in the country. So, my door is so feel free. I would actually like to see somebody try to uh, intrude on Tony. Tony's a large man, and uh, I do feel like he would uh, rip you apart. But unless you're like Ronda Rousey or somebody who would probably kick the shit out of Tony, then that's fine. But uh, anyway, so we're gonna trans. We're gonna all right, we're gonna talk about the Cowboys. Uh, Wait, here's your both Cowboys, of your takes quick, on them. Sure. Quick point I thought of here. You're trying to compare uh, Arizona's turnaround to Cleveland. Here's a key point no one ever brings up. Before realignment, Arizona was in the NFC East with Dallas, Washington, Philly, and the Giants. Every one of their division sure. away games was pretty much a cross country trip that they played at one o'clock, which kills West Coast teams. Also, unless their in-division or their in-conference division they play that season is the NFC West, they're playing all of their away games cross-country. So that has to just crush Yeah, that's a really bad – was a really bad setup. It was horrible. Whoever, every yeah, one of their away yeah. games, they're traveling 3,000 miles. Now they get to play everything on the West Coast. Yeah, that's a really good point. I actually think it, uh, we're going to see a turnaround with the Rams as well. Because they were in the middle of the country, and then they were traveling to like Seattle, um, San Francisco, and uh, Arizona, which is kind of a hike. So now that they're in LA, I mean, their travel is definitely going to be left within their division, and the other teams too traveling to them. It, it's going to benefit them and hopefully make for better football. You know, it's a good thing the NFL puts these teams in a good position for them to uh, succeed and uh, help their bodies recover with travel and stuff, you know, by not doing things like, uh, you know, proposing extending the season or putting games on Thursday night after teams play on a Sunday. I'm glad the NFL has figured all of that out. It's good stuff. So, um, anyway, Cowboys. All about the money. I'm, I'm, I'm going to – what's that? I said it's all about the oh, money. It is all I don't really care about players. Yeah, and I don't hate it either because be real here. games are on a Thursday too. Yeah. Um, well, the players don't see any extra for that unless you're a quarterback. But – uh, yeah, it's not like the NBA where, like, you know, they're getting all this money and it's dispersed to the players. 
No, the NFL is like run like the United States and the NBA is run like Germany. That's why the NFL is bigger than uh, the NBA will ever be. Um, but, all right, enough with uh, my pontificating and terrible mood and whining about stuff. Uh, Cowboys. Um, I can't really whine about them as a Giants fan. Yeah, thank you. I feel a lot better. Um, I'm centered. So, Cowboys. I'm not going to whine about the Cowboys. Actually, like what the Cowboys are doing with Dak Prescott, I think Jason Carrot's doing a good job with him, sort of putting him in positions to not lose the game. Um, you know, sort of uh, gradually, because you see him throwing the ball down the field a little bit more in the second game against Washington than they did against the Giants. I thought Dak looks Dak looks like he 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 feels like he belongs. Does that make sense? Like he looks the yeah. part. He looks confident. He looks like oh for sure. Granted, you know what numbers are overrated. The only number that really matters is wins. And uh, Dak had the Cowboys in position to win against the Giants, and he had them in a position to beat Washington, which they did. Um, Elliot doesn't look that way. Elliot is not, you know, he's not really contributing like people thought early. He's apparently out of shape, and I know he had a injury in training camp. So, at the end of the world, and plus it's a new season, it's a long, longer season for guys going from, uh, especially running backs. I mean, they tend to have success early and then sort of peter out in their rookie year. But, um, no, I like I like what uh, Jason Garrett's doing with uh, Dak. I think Dak looks really confident. I think he looks like he, he belongs. I think he looks he looks poised. He's kind of, you know, he's never going to be the mega talent that Cam Newton is. But I do, I definitely think he's a starting NFL quarterback, that's for sure. And once they open up the playbook and he gets more comfortable, I, I, I think that they will – I mean, I think when Romo comes back, depending on Dak's record, not necessarily his numbers or performance, but I think his record will ultimately decide whether Tony Romo comes back and starts or Tony Romo is – Forced to recover longer, if that makes sense, too, because I, I think that looks the part. Uh, Tony, how say you, as a, uh, a Cowboys fan that watched, has watched every minute of uh, Dak's career so far? Well, and you know, I've talked to you personally about this. I was the biggest – I was not an advocate at all for Dax during his preseason, the numbers he was putting up. I didn't believe in the hype at all. I said, prove it to me in the regular season. And so far, he's proven it. The guy – He's just cool under pressure. Like you said, it looks like he belongs. The moment isn't bigger than him at all. He's just cool, collective. He checks down if you have to. He's not losing them the game, which is the biggest thing that I can ask for. He's not throwing in the double coverage. He's getting rid of the ball. He's not taking sacks. He's just playing smart. He's a game manager, and that's all I can ask from a rookie quarterback who got thrust into action after the third preseason game when Romo went down. But the one thing that's killing me with him and Garrett is stop throwing the fade past the end zone to Des Bryant. The timing is not there. It looks awful. It's nowhere close. Anything but that. Try a slant at the least. Just stop throwing the fade to Des. It's just a wasted down and it kills me. Dan? Yeah, um, I agree with everything you guys just said. I um as far as you were saying he belongs, you know, I think that that's a, a very underrated aspect, you know, in when you look at these young quarterbacks, um, he, I feel like a lot of times these guys come out all wide-eyed and, and they end up, you know, caving under the pressure. And I feel like that's what happens, happens with Andy Dalton a lot. Um, 
I think so far Dax looked great, and I think he'll just keep improving with that big arm. And, you know, he's got a little bit of mobility. I think the big numbers, you know, will come in, they'll come after he's uh, a little bit experienced under his belt. And One of the biggest yeah, I mean, things I think they we're say, all too. A... Go ahead. Sorry, Doug. Yep. With, uh, with rookie quarterbacks, they say the biggest change from college to the pros is speed of the game. And it doesn't look like the game is too fast for Dak right now. It seems like he's already adapted to the speed of the NFL, which makes me very confident for his future. But as far as Romo, when he comes back, if he's healthy, you have to play Romo. So the playbook is just so much more wide open with him. He can use every one of his weapons to the maximum of his possibilities. I just, I'm not holding out hope that he can remain healthy, though. That's what kills me about Romo. It just seems like one little hit is going to take him down and just yeah. end his career. I would, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, I, I don't think you could pull him. At, you know, he, obviously he's injury prone, but you're right. I mean, the playbook opens up. Um, obviously, the Cowboys are trying to make a splash in the postseason, and I think he's still got some gas left in the tank. Um, you do know that even if Dak does go back to the bench, he's still there. You know, he's still there waiting. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be heartbroken to be sent back to the bench for Tony Romo. It's not like he's behind some scrub. Yeah, and, right, like and he Romo seems to be mature about it, too. Yeah, it seems like that. Hold on, Tony. It seems like, uh, and everybody, I just want to remind everybody that's listening or even still listening, um, that there is a delay. So a lot of times we will talk over each other. Again, we are going to work on that. I think we might have a studio at some point that uh, at least I can go to and, um, you know, make, maybe make this work out a little better. But, you know, we're working on that. Anyway, uh, I think that it's a good thing if Tony Romo does come back um, and Dak does go to the bench because Dak is going to learn in both ways that, you know, it's either throw the quarterback into the fire, let him learn that way, or they go the Carson Palmer approach where he sits on the bench for a year or what Jared Goff's been doing, although I think, He's going to start before you know week week five, but um, but I, I think that I think I think ultimately I think that'll be very good for Jack if he if he essentially plays until Romo comes back, watches Romo operate, and say, oh, that's what I could have done, that's what I could have done, that's what I could have done, and I, I I think it'll be good. I think that's good long term for the Cowboys. I think that's good long term for Jack, and I actually think that the Cowboys have their the, their future. Uh, they have their franchise quarterback after Romo's done, and I think that that's a good sign, and I actually think this season is going to be great for him because he's not his confidence isn't going to be rattled. Um, he's going to understand when he comes when Romo comes back that he is going back to the bench, and I think he will learn uh, watching Romo operate that offense, operate Jason Garrett's offense, because what Jerry Jones has done is exactly what I was saying that the Browns and the Bills should do. Jason Garrett's had some rough seasons. He had some rough games, some time management issues, but they've stuck with him. And I think that is going to be huge if they're going to stick with Jason Garrett, if his plan is to stick with Jason Garrett for Dak's development as well, because Jason Garrett played the position as well in the NFL at a high level and will ultimately help Dak. So I think all this stuff, you know, Dak playing early, Dak sitting when Romo comes back, Dak watching Romo operate the offense, and then eventually Romo's going to have to move on and Dak's going to be the guy. And I think all of this stuff as a whole is ultimately going to be good for Dak three, four, five years down the road. So, um, so right. yeah, it, I, as a Giants fan, like I'm very Tony worried. Romo, it's not like Tony Romo is like 26 or 27 where 
Dak's going to have to sit on the bench for years and years and years. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be probably the rest of this year and maybe next year at the most. So uh, yeah, exactly. So sorry, Tony, I, I did cut Tony off, Dan. So I, I got to let Tony finish this point. I apologize. Oh no, it's all right. But yeah, I mean, your window is so short. I think the Cowboys had the weapons to make a deep run now in the playoffs with Romo healthy and the full playbook. You have to take that shot yeah. now. Romo has to start. But like I yeah. said, it's one hit and he can go down. He needs to take a page out of Peyton's playbook where if the rush is coming at you, I want you to lay on the turf like you've just been shot. Go down, yep. crumble to the ground. I don't care how awkward it looks. I used to make fun of Peyton Manning so much for it, but look at his longevity. Look at his success. Look at him staying on the field. It works. You just cannot take the punishment in the current uh, age of the NFL. You cannot take those hits as a quarterback. You can't do it. Go well, down. Garoppolo compared to Brady. Garoppolo's, yeah, Garoppolo's shoulder screwed up. Brady wouldn't have taken that hit. I mean, Romo, that's just who Romo is. Unfortunately, it's going to be hard for him to change. But, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, all right, Dan, go ahead. And look at how it cost Garoppolo. Imagine if he started all four games and just tore it up like it looked like he would. I mean, he could be looking at, you know, I don't know how long he signed for in New England, but he could have done a Matt Castle and gone to Kansas City for a huge, you know, multi-year contract. I think he has, Dan, uh, Dan, if you know that, let me know. But I think he's, uh, I think he's under contract to the end of next year. I think he's a restricted free agent this year and then uh, unrestricted next year, if I'm not mistaken. But I could be wrong. I'm not sure the rookie uh, contract thing. Um, I will know that. Um, also, Dan, are you traveling in space right now? Am I traveling in space? I am. Yeah, because sorry, it sounds like I'm literally dog. listening to Sandra Bullock in Gravity. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I've been walking my dog for the last 15, 20 minutes here. Oh, that's fine. All right, your dog's awesome, by the way. I love that dog. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can relate. I've had so, my sleeping right. on top of me for 15, 20 minutes. Jeez, you guys make me feel like a terrible father right now. You're both cuddling and doing things to your dog. I'm neglecting my daughter to be out in the garage. But at least, uh, you know, Mama's home and I'm not letting her cry alone like it sounded like three weeks ago, which I still feel guilty about. Not even that it, yeah, that was, that I just said it. That, that sounded like you know, I was ignoring her. I felt bad. I was holding her for part of it. That was a great listen, by the way. I, I laughed very hard at that segment. <laughs> this segment where, where I treat my daughter like shit segment. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad. It sounded so horrible because... Basically, what I cut to like is I'm getting muted going, well, yeah. Um, I, I kept going back and I kept hitting mute. I kept going back and I kept hitting mute and let Dan talk, and then Dan would finish his point not knowing what I was doing. This is such a professional uh, I had no clue. professional show here. I, had no clue I know, I didn't tell you. So there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm neglecting. Um, uh, you know what? I really? take care of my kid. I want some. Pro- I want some props for that. Um, no, um, I, just, I still don't worry. Bad. 17 years, I'll like take care of your kid, too. Oh, my God, why is this being brought? You know what? We got to end the show, for Christ's sake. Like, I got to, for one, I got to stop cursing. Um, oh, damn it, Tony. Leave my daughter alone. She's a sweet, delicate tulip who just learned how to say brush today. It's very exciting for me. Um, she's, uh, she's, uh, you know, she's a good kid. And uh, I did not neglect her nor my daughter. And, uh, you know, me, I have to stop going to work and showing Alex pictures of her, too, which I've never done, but yet he claims that I need to stop, which is hilarious. Um, 
but yeah. All right. Anyone have any final thoughts on anything in the NFL that they want to talk about before uh, we end the show and I go cry myself to sleep because I'm a horrible father? So I don't know if I missed it because I missed like half the show. Um, did anyone yeah. touch on the Seahawks? No. No, we didn't really have time. Um, what the hell? Yeah. Maybe we could wait. Well, actually, next week I'll be in Arizona, so I'm not going to be on. Oh, okay. So Tony, you and I will talk about the about the Seahawks next next week. You know what? Yeah. All right. We'll see if their offense yeah. gets any so, better in week three. Yeah, we'll see if their offense gets any better in week three. Dan, we'll 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 make our picks via text. And um, I don't even know who won last week. It's been a hectic week. Um, oh, but I, uh, I still owe you. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you you, you won week two also. Son of a bitch. I'm into you for two. Because you're the one who actually writes all this stuff down. Yeah, I lost the sheet. I think Ashley threw it away. Um, so I got to go back. By and the way, I have a prediction on because you still owe you still owe the movie for uh, week one. I know, I know, and it wouldn't play. So I will. I, I got it from Redbox. I'll email or I'll screenshot the receipt to prove to you that I actually got it. And then I also had to get my money back because the, the disc didn't work. So uh, yeah, I feel sorry, like Tony, when you ahead. tell us about it, you're basically going to read from like a New York Times review. Like for I'm going to read, uh, yeah, I'm going to read uh, Peter Travers from Rolling Stones review. Um, no, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to, I'll Snapchat myself watching it, and uh, I will, I will take diligent notes. I promise. I, I, I'm a man of my. Uh, I like to, I like to pay on my bet. Don't tell Charlie I said that because I'm not paying the kid fifty dollars. Um, I paid up my bet for the push up. That's all. <laughs> She's asleep. I have to sacrifice sleep. I'd be in bed. I'd be sleeping for forty-five minutes right now if I was doing the show. Um, but sorry, Tony, go ahead. Oh uh, no, I was going to say uh, the Seahawks. They play uh, their home against San Fran this week, which is a tougher game than I would have thought in the preseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Fran looks good. I like Chip. I like what Chip Kelly's doing. Uh, yeah, their defenses look pretty good. So, what do you yeah. think? Do you think the uh, Seahawks? Russell Wilson's hurt? You know, how about you, what do you think is going on there? Yeah. Go ahead, Tony. Oh, I from what I heard, I, I believe he had a high ankle sprain, which the only way you can really heal that is just by resting it, and that's not going right. to happen anytime soon. And his he practiced his game in full being mobile. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, all right, so how about each of us go through the games, we don't pick the same game. But we pick um, we pick uh, we we pick an upset. How about we do that real quick, and then we'll we'll figure out oh, next week who is correct. I, I love this idea. So we just pick, one pick an agreed upset. Go ahead. I've got uh, I've got Jacksonville at home upsetting the Baltimore Ravens, the undefeated Baltimore Ravens. Dan, who do you have? Uh, sorry, I'm not. Bill, go ahead because okay, that's fine. I'll go ahead. I'm Detroit beating Green Bay in Green Bay. Oh, Oh. you're out of your mind. I know. That's why it's a throw one out there for me because I am not in front of the schedule right now. Uh, All right, that's fine. Uh, All right, yeah, go ahead. We have Cardinals at Bills, Raiders at Titans, Redskins at Giants, Browns at Dolphins. Ravens at Jags, Lions at Green Bay, Broncos at the Bengals, 
Vikings at Carolina, Rams at Tampa, Niners at Seahawks, Jets at Chiefs, Chargers at Colts. Ooh, this is going to be the game of the week oh, right here. here. I'll Steelers I'll at right Eagles. Okay. I I think uh, I think the Bengals are going to end up edging out um, the Broncos this week. I could see that, actually. I could, too. Those are two really good teams, though. Two good defenses. That's going to be, uh, that's yeah, gonna be that, a good game. That'll be a good, good early game I think it's going to be close. Sure. I think it'll be by, like, a field goal. It's not going to be a blowout. Interesting. There are a few really good 1 o'clock games this week. I mean, just because of Odell and uh, Josh Norman, Giants at Washington is interesting for more people than just me, which is good. Um, Minnesota-Carolina is going to be a good game. I'm really excited for that one. They're talking about that matchup so much that the law of averages says it just has to underwhelm. Well, right. yeah, it's like the oh, Giants-Saints game last week. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly so do So Minnesota at Carolina is going to be great. Yeah. I honestly do think, and I'm not just throwing you a bone here, Bill, but I do think mm-hmm. Odell's going to torch Josh Norman. I think so, too. Um, I yeah, mean, I he got him last year. I think, year, he I think it's going to be last year. Yeah. It's going to be a totally um, lopsided matchup. I think especially, too, with Cruz yeah. back and takes attention off him. Yeah, I think so, too. So, all right, what are your favorite games of the early games, um, Tony? What's your favorite game of the early games? I mean, mine's Minnesota-Carolina, um, other than the Giants game, but definitely Minnesota-Carolina is the best game, the best early game for sure. Mm, I, I really like that Broncos-Bengals game. But I also th- I, there's something too, yeah. about that Ravens Jaguars game where I could just see it being high scoring and just a lot of fun, just like one of those random games that just you don't expect it to be great, but they're just trading touchdowns back and forth. And the Ravens did that a few years ago against someone where they score where there's like four touchdowns in like the last four minutes or something. So they're prone to have a game. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, I'm remembering this. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, who I forget who it was, go but it, it was that, crazy. <clears throat> Yeah, it was like four touchdowns in three and a half minutes. It was just madness. Do you know Blake Bortles? Blake Bortles in his career has three first quarter touchdowns. That's it. That's crazy, right? Wow. Oh. Yeah, so obviously start. he's a notoriously so. slow starter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or he just gets a lot of his uh, points in garbage time. Really dials it in when the game is uh, out of hand. So, um, alrighty. Uh, so I think that's it for the show today. Um, oh, you know, oh, next I have a week, real quick. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So far. Um, yeah, I, Oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah. I didn't mean to scoop I, you. So I'd go with the Raiders and Saints. I mean, it wasn't much of a defensive matchup, but it was an exciting game. Yeah. Raiders Saints. Oh, for week one. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. So what do you say I about I uh, this upcoming week? Yeah, I was at, I was at the Browns game this weekend, so I didn't watch a lot of uh, uh, the other games. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. Yeah. Um, sorry, you were at that game, bro. Oh, you poor <laughs> bastard. Yeah. And they were all what twenty to two. What's that? I said they were up what twenty to two, and then there's a field. Yeah, uh, it was or, off. Yeah, it was like it was like twenty twenty one to three. And then in the in the brownsiest way possible, they go and they blow it. But of course, you know, I mean, a, a big part of it was Josh McCown getting hurt. I think if he wouldn't have got hurt, 
and didn't have a dead arm, I think they would have been fine and they would have won the game. But at that point, then, it was just relying too much on a young defense. Makes sense. So, all righty, guys. Uh, that's it for this week of Under the Hoodies. Thanks to Dan and thanks to Tony for calling in. Um, oh, Philly, and, real quick uh, Dan, before we go. It, yeah, yeah. I got a thing for you. I'm going to steal a page out of ESPN's playbook, uh, what to watch for. NFL Network is killing okay. it. I don't know if you've ever seen their timeline show, the documentary. But the last three no. have been amazing. Last week's was uh, last day of football in L.A. when the Rams and Raiders moved out of town in 1994. The one that was yeah. just on in the background was um, the Saints uh, rebuilding the team after Hurricane Katrina and their first game back in the Dome. We all remember the electric mm-hmm. atmosphere that game was. Especially mm-hmm. the oh, my punch. God. I saw Amazing. the I saw the um yeah, I saw the preview for that movie Gleason, the documentary about oh, the Gleason, the guy that blocked the punt. Uh, they yeah, interviewed ALS, him as well. I haven't watched it. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Um, but when it does, I will be reviewing that in great detail because I hear nothing but amazing things about it. I guess the family dynamic, there's a religious element that isn't annoying, I guess. Um I, I guess there's just a lot of different elements where it's not by annoying, I mean preachy and you know, um but like, I guess there's a lot of a lot of layers to that movie, and I'm really, really curious to see it because um, that story is like really sad, and uh, yeah, so I, I I'm sad, uplifting. I guess there's a lot of different emotions, and I'm not a guy that watches stuff for emotion other than joy. Um, hence why I'm gonna go into the house in uh, about five minutes and watch uh, the campaign for the 80th time. But um, but yeah. So what's the other one, Tony? Sorry, you said there's three. And then. Next week, this is just an ongoing series. Every Wednesday night, these are on, and I highly, highly suggest people watch them. They're great. Next week is uh, they're talking about September 11th, basically when football came back and you know helped galvanize the country and kind of rebuild yeah. the spirit of America post September 11th and the terror attacks. And then, Bill, mm-hmm. this one's right up your alley. On Sunday, it's the start of a five-part series: uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s European Journey. Oh, remember he shut Germany down. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, um oh, yeah, Odell, uh, the same thing about Odell is he at one point was the best and I I have to do some fact checking. I'm going to quote Rappaport. We don't fact check, uh but I will fact check this, but I remember reading this that he was one of or if not the best uh high school soccer player um as a ninth grader, like for that age, I guess, not like in the country for all high schoolers, but ninth grade uh soccer player, I guess in the country. Um, which is kind of nuts. I mean, Grant, obviously, he's an insane athlete. Like, he's uh, – I, I met him in person once, and um, he's my height, and he was, like, dunking a basketball with a uh, backpack on. Um, so, obviously, he's, he's he's an insane athlete. So, yeah, I wonder uh, – I, I am curious to watch that. Um, I think I think the wife will be more curious to watch it than I will because, um, you know, she loves that guy. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, I just like when he plays football, but I will watch it. Yeah, and there was a clip of it, and uh, he's kicking soccer balls into a goal with some young Europeans, and he's wearing an Odell Beckham mm-hmm. jersey as he's doing it, which I'm not sure is kind of if awesomely it's douchey. It's either yeah, either totally egotistical and douchey, or totally awesome. No, I can't judge it too hard. If, if I was a pro athlete, I would probably wear my jersey too, but who knows? <laughs> I would. Yeah. So. All right, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a good uh, – thanks for that. I, I'm probably going to go into DVR. I definitely want to watch the September 11th one, that's for sure. 
Oh, and if nobody's seen the uh, – and, Dan, this is this one's for you too, which is one of my favorites, Football Life, is the uh, the Cleveland Browns. The 95 Cleveland Browns was a great, great, great episode of that. It's probably my favorite episode. Oh, I watched that Life. one. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> – It was tough um, watching, but, yes, it was a great episode. Sure. The talent yeah, they had yeah, in Belichick at the helm. Oh, my God, that coaching staff was insane. They had Schwartz, Saban. Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> like it's like you have four of the head, the and, head and coaches of all forget, time and one staff. Yeah, and let's not forget Bill Belichick as the head coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was an insane, insane staff. I didn't just say that Jim Schwartz was one of the best head coaches of all time, but he he probably can be in the running for one of the better defensive coordinators of all time. But uh, I stand by Jim Harbaugh being a top ten, maybe top five head coach of all time because no matter where he goes. Uh, it, it turns he turns whatever and wherever he goes to gold. So um, yeah. So anyway, guys, we got to get out of here. Well, I got to get out of here. I can actually hang up and let you two continue the show for as long as you want. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, I got to go to bed. I'm quite tired. Um, and uh, yeah. So this has been under the hoodies. Uh, Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Tony. Um, and uh, go to BackSourcePage.com. I wrote a column uh, on the Bills. And uh, and uh, what about the Giants? I am working on my addendum to uh, – or excuse me, my amendment to my Bills preview, which basically is just me writing F you in huge letters and then reading it back uh, repeatedly to myself because of how wrong I was and I have no business writing season previews. And I probably will never do it again just because of how wrong I am on the – on the uh, Bills one. So, proof that I know nothing about football, go read that. Um, so, yeah, thanks, guys, for uh, for uh, being on the show, Tony. Thanks. Um, you always deliver. Dan, you deliver uh, three minutes after the show starts every week, and I really appreciate it. Um, I'm just messing with you because you're habitually, habitually three minutes late for every show. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's not even a bit at this point. It's just funny. It's <laughs> It's like, I'm like, I'm joined by nobody, but Dan will be here in uh, 90 to 160 seconds. Yeah. So, so, good stuff. But we are going to start doing the show, by the way, at 9 on Wednesday nights going forward to make it a little easier for Dan. Yes, because Dan does does work weird hours, and uh, I work terrible hours, so hopefully change that. So, I'm there until 7. Yeah, yeah. So, understood. Yep. But next week, Tony, if you want to do the whole episode with me, we'll do it early. We'll go. Uh, we'll go at seven, and um, and uh, but we'll talk about that through the week. So, uh, all right, guys, thanks for joining me, and uh, and uh, thanks to uh, Backsource Page for uh, paying for us to do this. Um, and uh, uh, what else? Yeah, BacksourcePage.com, all that fun stuff. Like I said, and all right, guys, see ya, Tony. I will never see you work again. Unfortunately, it makes me very sad, and. Uh, Ah, oh, I ruined it, Tony. Sorry, buddy. Hold on. Wait, wait, yep. and I'll give you the cue, okay, to say it again. My bad. I ruined it. Um, and, uh, Dan, I will see you at some point soon, I think, because I, I, I think actually I might be going to the Giants-Browns game, but I'm not 100% sure yet. And, um, all right, where are we going, Tony? And this concludes your broadcast day. <laughs> all right, later. <laughs>